Come on, church, praise the Lord with me. Offer him a hallelujah, a hallelujah. Woo! You may be seated. So, so good, amen? Oh, wow. Man, it's good to be back. Um, just landed yesterday from the Dominican Republic missions trip with our team. I'll share more about that in just a moment. But, but first of all, welcome to New Hope Church. I am so glad you are here. Uh, if you're a first-time guest, we'd love to meet you afterwards. My name is Benji. I'm one of the pastors here and just honored that you are here. And if you are a first-time guest, check it out. Meet me at the tent uh, on the patio after the worship celebration. We have a gift for you. We want to uh, just get to know you and see how we might serve you. A week from today, I'm starting a brand new message series titled One at a Time. And I'm really, really excited about this. Encourage you just to make note of that. Don't miss a single one. If you are online, we want to welcome you. Can we welcome our online community? Give them some love. If you're local, you're nearby, man, I hope you will come join us in person for this series. Um, hey, have you guys really been enjoying what's been going down in worship on Sundays? There's, there's, a, there's a spirit in the house uh, of revival these days. And, and the temptation might be that you, you watch all that go down and you think they're good. They're good. Um, and I just want to let you know today that if you can sing, operative word can, we, we want to talk to you. If you can play an instrument, operative word play, like legit, we want to talk to you. Um, it, we, if you got a, a, a gifts in computers or sound or lights or whatever, so we're, we're, we're opening it up. We want to build the team. Um, we can use folks. You can scan that QR code anytime you want. You can go online or you can email us. You can let us know. You can grab Pastor John uh, and talk to him, and he'll walk you through an audition process. This is one of the few ministries in the church where we have auditions. Let the church say amen. That's an amen right there. Glory to God, right? You, you, you worship at, at New Hope has always been for those who are called to. You ever been to, you ever been to a church? Never mind, never mind, never mind, never mind. I'm going to move on. Um, so since we're talking about worship, can I, can I do a little housekeeping here that I haven't done in a long, long time, like years? I haven't mentioned this. And I'm not going to camp out on it long, but, you know, we, we craft these worship experiences, and there's a reason why our, our worship is like it is. I need to talk to you about age-appropriate environments. And so this is an adult-oriented worship celebration. Really, I should say middle school, and middle schoolers are definitely welcome in here. But we talk about some hard topics at times, and we've always tried our best to make sure you know we have an incredible NH Kids ministry on Sunday morning for our children, for our children. So if you have kids, you got a couple choices. Take them to NH Kids. They will, be, they will get far more out of it than sitting in here. Or if you have a young kid that you really need to worship with them, you might not know this. Everybody stop looking at me for a moment. Turn around and look at, look at those glass windows back there. Y'all see those? That is a family room. That thing is full of families on Sundays where families sit in there and they worship with their kids. And also sometimes folks sit in the rotunda, uh, sit in the fireside room. There's, there's all kinds of rooms around this church with televisions where you can worship. But in here, just want to remind you, it is an age-appropriate environment. 
Um, hey, so I just got back from the Dominican Republic, and I just want to spend a few moments on this letting you know that uh, God is moving significantly through our church in the Dominican Republic. There's 19 New Hopers there right now. Um, I've been there with them, got back last night. Let me show you a picture of, uh, I think the first one we're going to show is, that's Pastor Ezekiel. Uh, you know, baseball's big in the Dominican Republic. I don't know if you know this, but like they have... They have lots of players in the major leagues from the DR, and so we presented, this pastor about fainted. He was so blown away when we presented to him a Durham Bulls jersey with all the team's signature on it. Uh, we delivered all the baseball supplies that you sent us, and, and they're going to receive that this afternoon. But more importantly than all of that, guys, we led a vacation Bible school every day. Let me show you this next picture. This is Pastor Ezekiel again uh, in this beautiful mountain area of Las Lomas, uh, Dominican Republic. Let me show you another picture here. What we did was we went in and we're building. Guys, I've been on a lot of missions trips. I've never quite seen poverty at this level. Uh, folks living in a home about the size of just this teaching platform up here, uh, many of them not having uh, a bathroom or running water or anything like that. So we're, we're building these uh, bathrooms off of their homes. This is a sweet lady. She's, she's got, uh, if I remember correctly, she had uh, 15 children, uh, like 12 uh, grandchildren and a, an unbelievable number of great-grandchildren. This is a perfect example. This is her home behind her. We're building a bathroom for her. We, we were working on three sites where we were doing that. And here's the really good news. When New Hope decided we were going to, to fund all of these projects in the Dominican Republic, another missional organization came alongside, Avi. You'll hear more about that in the months ahead. And they decided to fund 10 because we were funding three, so now we have 13 sites where we are blessing folks who are in great, great need. And I uh, just want to uh, remind you, that is one of the things that is dear to the church. We, we've, we had to take a little break from travel and missions, but now we are back on it. And for those of you who sow into the ministry of this church, you, you give your resources, you tithe, you can lay your head down tonight knowing that uh, you, are, you are blessing God's people in the Dominican Republic. So I want to thank you for your tithes and your offerings. You know the, the different ways in which we give. Black boxes are around for you if you came ready to give in person. Thank you. You are making a difference in the world today. So today uh, is really Mission Sunday. So it's kind of cool that we were on this missions trip and, and I've got my good friend here ready to bring a word to you. Some of you will know his name. He is no stranger to this particular area. I am talking about Pastor Ron Lewis. Let me tell you a little bit about this guy. He's married to uh, his lovely wife, Lynette. Um, you will hear me refer to him as Pastor Ron, but I also call him Bishop because uh, he really is known as that uh, over at Kings Park International Church. If you've heard of that church, you know that is a great church in this area. He was the founding pastor of Kings Park, and he served there for four decades. He was raised in Greensboro, North Carolina in a secular Jewish family, secular 
And so when he came to know the Lord, it has given him this unique perspective to go after people who don't know Jesus, even uh, unreached people groups around the world, Jewish folks. He has an unbelievable passion for reaching people with the gospel. Side note, personal note, when I landed here in 2001, getting ready to start New Hope Church, um, he was one of the few pastors who welcomed me with open arms. Uh, I came and visited him. He took me on a tour of their building. He gave me a book, um, and he has been a dear friend ever since. He's written a great book called Miracles in Manhattan because for the last few years, actually 20 to be exact, he has been serving a church in Manhattan uh, called Every Nation New York City. Uh, served there for 20 years, launched it right after 9-11, and he's been doing the Kings Park thing, been doing the thing in Manhattan, going around the world. This man oozes missions, and um, here recently, God has really connected us on a deeper level to go to the nations together and, and reach uh, the unreached people groups of the world. So he and I are praying about those kinds of things. And God has just opened up an amazing door for him uh, to be on alkarmatv.org. Encourage you to check that out. He's gonna be starting a, a powerful television ministry program out of Manhattan uh, to continue to go after the unreached people groups of the world. He is a dear brother, he is a personal friend of mine, and uh, this is the very first time, even though I've known him for 20 years, very first time he has ever taught at New Hope Church. And I told him, brother, you are in for a treat. These people love folks that we bring in to bring the word, and uh, you're going to be amongst friends. So I want you to do what you do, and welcome my good friend, Pastor Ron Lewis, today. Come on. Yeah. I love you, man. I love you so much. Appreciate you. I'm just so happy to be here, really, truly honored to be here, honored by your pastor, Benji Kelly, a man who I so love, I appreciate, trust him. He is really, truly one of my closest friends in the Raleigh-Durham area, and he's right. So 22 years ago, we met. And it just seems like every so many years, we're both going through a trial at the same time. 2013, we were both going through these separate trials, and, and boom, Dallas-Fort Worth Airport, we bumped into each other. We've had a history of bumping into each other. That was us. 2013, we look a little bit better back then, but hey, we're still here. We're still kicking and screaming, but uh, we really had a beautiful time there, and thank you, Benji, Pastor Benji, Dr. Benji, Reverend Benji, Benji, Kelly, Benji. Uh, thank you, guys. Don't you love your pastor? Don't you appreciate him? He is the best. He's the best. So our title today is called Living on Mission, Called to the World, and when you think about mission and missions and evangelism and Sharing the gospel, there's usually at least two responses, two reactions. And I'll compare it to, have you ever, remember back in the day when David Letterman did this, this little piece where does it sink or does it float, right? And if you take a lemon and a lime, do you know that if you drop a lemon and a lime in water, do you know that one of them will sink and one will float? It's true. The lime will sink and the lemon will float. And the reason I bring that up is that's sort of like missions. When people think about missions, 
They, some people are sinkers. They're like, oh man, missions. We don't want to do that. We, you know, we might go to some island and be eaten by cannibals. Uh, we might, uh, we might, uh, you know, like this is imperialism. We don't need to be imposing our beliefs on somebody else. You have those people. They're the float. They're the float. They're the, the sinkers. But then you have the floaters, or those who are like, we're going to the DR. We don't care if we have to swim to get there. We're going to be there. We we love to travel. We love adventure and all that. So you have. Have the the floaters there and not to make too much of this but when you think about missions now look look missions has a a lot of different things that have happened you know a lot of people have died for be, following Jesus and being a lot of people have died if they've given their blood and 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 I don't want to make too much of this but if you really want to become and do your best to be a floater then the first thing, and I'm going to give you a couple things this morning. The first thing is I really want you to make it personal. And I believe God wants you to make it personal. And the, the way that we make it personal is we begin to live on mission. We begin to let life become an adventure an adventure where every day something good is going to happen to you. Something good is going to happen to me. But we don't stop there. Something good is going to happen through me, not just to me. And so my sweet wife, Lynette, she'll be here at the next service. But she was in, in, she was in staff, marketing, um, senior marketing level for Deloitte, uh, one of the big four accounting firms in New York City where we met. And she was at the working at the World Trade Center. Her window would oversee, actually, the, the World Trade Center. She was at the World Financial Center, my, my apology. And so she was there during 9-11. But fortunately, they had her on a faraway uh, office. They could not find an office available for her on 9-11. It was, that was the first time in her history of working there where they did not have a place where she could do her team meeting. And so they put her at the farthest site out. at Hartford, Connecticut. She was there on 9-11. And so thankful that God protected her. But one of the things that happened after 9-11, its hearts began to open up. And that's part of the reason why we went to New York City. I went to New York City from here. I would fly up. I would do my service at Kings Park on Sunday morning. Sunday afternoon, I would fly to New York City, do a Sunday night service. Did that and flew back here on Tuesday. Did that for eight years. And it's quite the journey. And, and, and NFL football was completely out of my, it's like eight years later, after it was done and I had staff, we had multiple sites in New York City, that was the greatest moment because I actually was able to stop flying up to New York City. And I, I remember sitting in my recliner on a Sunday afternoon, and I'd never left that, this is here, right in town here, here in Cary, North Carolina. And I remember sitting in that recliner uh, for the whole day, catching up with all the football I'd missed for eight years. And I sat in that chair until one o'clock in the morning, hardly moved. It was quite refreshing <laughs> to, to be there. So, but my wife, you know, we were able to see, Lynette and I were able to see the open hearts. And there was a woman in her office named Sandra. And Sandra was a typical wayward, lost woman in New York City. And one day, Lynette was at a, at a coffee shop, and she scooted over to the Barnes & Noble, and she was nudged on the inside by the Lord to buy Sandra a book called Sacred Romance by John Elrich. And so she bought it, and she said, okay, I'm, this is kind of weird. Uh, I don't know that she'll be interested in this, whatever, but she took a chance. She took a risk. And you know, when you live on mission, you take a risk. 
You do some things that sometimes are out of the box. And so she bought that, and then she was walking out of Barnes & Noble, and the Lord just nudged her, said, get her husband, uh, Wild at Heart, by John Elridge. So she walked out with those two books, went and gave it them both to Sandra. She took a risk. I don't know if you'll be interested in this or not. You know how we kind of backpedal when we're doing a, like soft evangelism or pre-evangelism? And, and Sandra was so grateful, and she said, I'm so thankful. And then her husband began to read that. And they began to have conversations. So Lynette said, why don't you read the Gospel of John? And she began to read John. And she grew up Catholic. And she was in all Catholic schools. And she grew up Catholic. And yet she never knew the Gospel. And so she was really touched by what was happening here. She was reading John. And she began to say to Lynette, say, what's up with the red letters? What's that all about? And I can relate with that. I can relate. I was completely 100% biblically illiterate. I grew up in a secular Jewish family as Pastor Benji. Secular Jewish just means that we loved pork. We loved ham. We loved shrimp. That just <laughs> meant that we, did, we ate all the things that you Gentiles eat with a big smile on our face, you know? Uh, and so that's how I grew up. Sandra kind of grew up in the same way, very secular. And, and she was reading this, and she began to see that Jesus was the Lamb of God. And she was like, Lynette. She walked in early one morning. Lynette, Lynette, Jesus is the Lamb of God. Jesus is the Lamb of God, because that's what it talks about in John chapter 1. Well, a few weeks later, she and her husband, Jerome, they got on their knees. They prayed to receive Christ, and they became this great couple together, all through just a little nudging here and there. And how often do we get little nudgings here and there? The Holy Spirit is silently, invisibly, quietly moving through us in those little nudges. And how often have we just sort of ignored those nudges or, you know, become like a sinker and we're just saying, well, I just, they're not really interested in what I have to say. You'd be shocked and surprised how many people around you are interested in you. Well, this great couple went on to do great things for God, and he started a men's ministry that now has hundreds of men reading Wild at Heart. And so it's amazing, those little things. And my own journey, my own journey was, uh, you know, really, uh, as Pastor Benji said, was without God. I'd never been to church by the time I was 18, but when I was 15 years old, the neighbor up the street, she gave me a Bible. And she said, I have a gift for you. And, and, and because I was raised in the South, what do you say? Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, thank you, ma'am, appreciate you, ma'am. You just, it doesn't matter how you feel in your heart, you would say that. It's just on the hardware, right? Growing up in the South. And then I never touched it. I put it in my closet, never touched it. Then when I was 18 years old, my mother was helping me load the car for school, going off to college. And she said, you might need this. I found this in your closet, you might need it. And I said, Mom, I don't need a Bible. Why, do I need a, why would I need a Bible? And my mother was really brilliant because she was just being touched by God. She said these words. She said, you might need it for a literature class. Right. <laughs> and then I began to be cha-ching. You know, okay, $10 saved here. Okay, great, I'll take that. I'll read this little mythological book and uh, maybe use it for a term paper or something like that. And remarkably, amazingly, when I got to college, when I was gonna ramp up my partying like never before without any parental eyes on me, I was going to just go crazy. You know, when you grow up in a secular family and it's a, my father left and abandoned my family when, when I was probably 10 years old, I didn't even see him for 10 years straight. Didn't see him, hardly ever spoke to him by phone for 10 straight years. 
But in that moment of being in the dorm room, I began to think about God and think about my family. And I began to look into the table of contents. As I opened up the Bible, there was a note in there from this woman. I'd never read it. And it was a $5 bill. So I began to turn the pages looking for a 20. You know, you started like, what's, it, what's happening here? And so, so I did find my brother's name. You know, like when you open the Bible, you're not, you've never read the Bible before. Uh, you, you look into these, like, what's the book of Job all about? What the, how about the book of Psalm? I, you don't know. You don't, I didn't learn that. I didn't go to, I didn't even go to synagogue. It was, I was Passover, Hanukkah only kind of kid. Like Christmas, Easter only kind of Christian, right? And so I was touched by reading the Bible. And after about a week or two of, of reading scripture, it was like Christ just walks into my dorm room and touches me, and saves me, and changes me. I still didn't know a lot, but God put me on the journey that's brought me to you. Here I am now, 40 some years later. I'm right here because of the grace of God. God knows how to find people. God's looking for you. That's one of the lines that I have sometimes at a Wendy's or a McDonald's. I say, hey, by the way, somebody's looking for you. And they're like, who? God is looking for you. He cares about you. He's with you. He's going to show up in your life. He's going to do amazing things through you. And this is my journey as far as living on mission. It's personal. It's a personal calling. It's a personal thing in my life, in your life. One of the things that's helped me so much is a little tool that we have used at Kings Park called SALT. SALT, S for start a conversation. A, ask questions. L, listen carefully. T, tell the God story, then tell your story. Tell your story. Tell the redemption story. Tell the story that Christ came. He lived the life we could not live. He died a death that we should have died, yet he died in our place. And you know the story. He was suffered, and then he was crucified, and then he was buried, and then he was raised from the dead three days later. And now through faith and repentance, we can turn to Christ and embrace him and know that he's the living Savior, the living Redeemer, that there's no accident that's too big. There's no sin too great. Christ's arms are reaching out to us. The arm of the Lord is not short that it cannot save. The arm of the Lord is there to redeem every household in this area, every person in this region. And yes, even to the uttermost islands of the DR, which I wish I could have been there with Pastor Benji yesterday. He didn't invite me that time, but next time he's going to invite me to go with him and yes it's on the beach yes it's at la playa grande yes it's going to be a lot of soul up there shining down on us god is a good god after being absent from my father and reading the last scripture of the old testament malachi chapter 4 verse 6 god says i will restore the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the father to make a long story very short I flew out to see this father who I have not known, who wrecked our family, who messed everything up, who brought his drugs into our house, even his young kids. He was messed up, but God put in my heart to be the reconciler because Christ died to reconcile me back to God. God did a great work. My father was touched. We began to shed tears. And two years later, he called me up, said, now that you've seen me in San Francisco, I had to find out from a relative where he lived. And then... And then here it was two years later. He says, I want to see you, where you live, what you do. I said, why do you want to do that? He said, because I can't stop thinking about what happened in your life. 
So here was my father who was a wayward guy, Scientology, Buddhism, transcendental meditation, drugs. And here's my father coming out and he collapses and he falls on my living room floor and he begins to weep and he begins to cry. What was what I believe was about an hour and a half to two hours of weeping and crying. I'm sitting on the couch and people have often asked me, you must have really prayed for your father. And I would say, not really, not, not really. I didn't really have a lot of hope, but I just did what I should do. I just showed up a little bit and it's amazing what happens when we just show up because God was already there. He was already there on the spot. Paul Patrol, Paul Patrol, see in a double. Okay, so it's, this is God's there, like Paul Patrol. I don't know where that came from, but I have eight and a half year old twin girls, and I think it's something that they were watching a few years ago. My father was born again in that moment and filled with the Holy Spirit. And before he went back to San Francisco, he said, is there anything else we need to, I need to know or I need to do? I said, Dad, before you leave this city, I'm going to baptize you. He said, baptism, what's that? I began to explain baptism, filled up my tub because that's all I had. I had a tub. You, get, you do what, wherever the water is, that's where you baptize. And I baptized that man. I called my brother who was at Duke. I was at UNC Chapel Hill. I called my brother at Duke. This is like the odd couple right here, right? Pastor Benji. I know that Pastor Benji's a Duke fan. I'm like, man, how are you gonna get, how are you gonna get the word devil out of your school right there? You gotta kick that devil out. You gotta cast it out. Should be the Duke blues, okay? Sorry about that, Pastor Benji. All right, so back to, back to this. I, filled up the tub. My brother came over as a witness. He said, I can't believe this. This can't be happening. I was the same way. I baptized him. I wanted to hold him under for a couple hours. I just like, <laughs> we've got to get every sin off of you. Okay, you're going to repent. Are you sure about that? It was a miracle. It was an absolute miracle. He ended up moving out to Raleigh, Durham. He sat on row two and he would every time right behind me in church for years, decades actually, he sat behind me and said, you're the son in whom I'm well pleased. God is in the personal mission business because every member of your household, if God saved you, he's coming after your family. He's coming after your cousins. He's coming after your kids. And he knows where your lost kids are. And he's not giving up because God is the God of all encouragement, the God of all consolation, the God of all comfort, the God of all persistence. Matthew 13, 47 says the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. God's going after the wayward, all kinds of people. But we can't stop at just living on mission. We have to go to living on the mission that's global as well. And that's our second thought. If you wanna float, eventually, if you really wanna float, we got to go global. John 3.16, probably the most quoted verse in the Bible. For God so loved the USA. <laughs> for God so loved RTP. For God so loved RDU. No, for God so loved the world. God loves the world. It's amazing. We get maps, these maps that we look at. America is almost always, North America is right there in the middle of the map, right? Right where we belong. Then, then if you want to, Circling a little bit, little bit closer, it's right here where we are. It's right around me. And that's true. God does love you. And God gave his son for you personally. But eventually, God wants us to go to the next level, to the next step. And that is take a step towards mission. Take a step. 
And this is a reality when we live on mission. Eventually, it gets into us to go global. My son Jordan was at, uh, 11 years ago this month. My son Jordan was in Tanzania, Africa, on, with a missions trip from his college, or Roberts University. Uh, he was 21 years old. And they were reaching what's called an unengaged, unreached people group in Tanzania of four tribes, 161,000 people. And there was only one known believer in Christ. So when you talk about an unengaged, unreached people group, you're talking about none of the three Bs. No Bible, no believer, no body of Christ. Do You know, there's a lot of people in the world that have no Bible, no believers, no body of Christ. And he went in faith that God would use him. And remarkably, uh, when they finished building this birthing clinic, he, was the, he and one other guy were the first to say, we want to go preach the gospel now. We don't, we don't want to just do good deeds. We want to tell them the gospel, share it with them. And as a result of that, uh, there was the beginning of a, a move of God. And out of all those years of no one responding to the gospel, this was the time when it was ripe. And my son came back to tell me uh, this great, all these journeys of he and his 10 brothers in Christ who went on this, they called it the man mission because it was very rigorous, very rugged. And as a result, uh, they started a church. Well, also on the other side, that church is now spread, to, is now have uh, at least 40 churches there now. And it's no longer an unengaged, unreached people group. It's now just considered an unreached people group which is like 3% or less are believers. But God did some great things. However, when he came back, he did tell me that he said, I've had a lot of nosebleeds. He was having two nosebleeds every day. We checked him in. Uh, he received an MRI, a biopsy, and revealed that he had sinus cancer. And this is a kid who's never smoked a cigarette, never was a nickel smelter or anything like that. It was just weird. And it was a stage four sinus cancer. And he went through rigorous, uh, we pulled him out of his college in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and he came to the UNC Medical Center where he received 71 rounds of radiation, eight rounds of chemotherapy, therapy, three surgeries. And after six months, the doctors declared him cancer-free, went back, and he graduated on time with honors. It was, a, it was an amazing journey. Um, then 18 months later, the unthinkable happened. He was just getting married, um, had a great job, and the cancer came back and destroyed his life. What do you do when this happens? It was a first for me. And if you've lost a child, you know. It's not the way it's supposed to be. But God is a God who redeems everything. And when the flowers were pouring in, his siblings, his peers said, no more. Send, we can't even read their cards. There's so many flowers, no one's interested. This was the peers saying this. They weren't being insensitive or insensitive. They were just 
saying, we don't need this. We're, we're going to our next memorial service in Raleigh-Durham. And so, remarkably, they started sending money to the missions group. And they sent a lot of money. And about eight months later, the missions group collecting this at that university, they said, we can't do anything with this. Will you take it? That was the beginning of what's called Jordan Lewis Missions. And to date, to date, Jordan Lewis Missions has helped launch more than 7,700 underground churches in 20 nations, engaging 40 unengaged, unreached people groups, 230 water pumps and wells in Pakistan, Nepal, Bangladesh, China, Amazon, uh, the Amazon, Turkey, Syria, Iran, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, North Korea, India, Egypt, and the list goes on. There's a cover story. There was a cover story in Charisma Magazine. Charisma Magazine uh, did a cover story, The Gospel Follows the Water. But then the subtitle of this is called Miracles from Mysteries. See, embracing the cross is mysterious because we never know what kind of cross we're supposed to bear, except we know this. It's not my job to carry your cross it's definitely not any of our job to carry the Lord's cross. That's a unique cross for the salvation of the world and mankind. But we carry our cross. And with the cross comes a mission, our mission, our unique, defined purpose, mission that's inscribed somewhere in our hearts. And this is the great hope of new hope. As you preach, as you reach, and as you release as that this is seated on your hard drive, so to speak, to cause you to be a floater and not a sinker. Are you ready for the challenge, whatever that is? You're called. You have everything that you need. The Holy Spirit, the powerful Holy Spirit is dwelling in you, filling you, giving you creative thoughts and creative ideas. And it might be as simple as giving a smile on a day-by-day -day basis. But God is longing that we get outside of ourselves, And I'll tell you the great awakening for me, <laughs> and this is not for you, all right? This is, don't worry. I'm not imposing my cross on you at all. So I was riding on a bus when I was 20, 21 years old from UNC to my hometown of Greensboro. And as I was on the bus, the Trailways bus, I, was, I opened my Bible as a new believer. I was hungry for scripture every day. And I was reading my Bible. And as I was reading my Bible, I get this sense of God wanting me to get up on the bus and talk about Jesus. Now, how many of you want that kind of cross? I know you just can't wait to be the first on the plane to get up and say, excuse me, everybody. I want to share my faith with you. That's, that's what was happening with me. And I was debating with God. I was like, oh, come on, God. This can't be right. No way. Lord, you don't want me to, that, that bus driver is going to throw me off his bus. Matter of fact, your word, Lord, says, Romans 13, 1 says, be subject to the governing authorities. And I'm subject to that bus driver, and I will ask his permission because that's what you told me to do according to your word. How many of you know when you're young, you're dumb like that? You just, <laughs> you just forget who you're talking to, the creator of the universe who knows everything? It's like I get this green light. Okay, go see what he says. 
Went up to the bus driver, sir, my name's Ron Lewis. I'm getting this sense I should just tell my story, my God story of how Jesus Christ saved my life and how now I just want to get up on your bus. Actually, I don't want to get up on your bus. So actually, I, I, I will give you permission, sir, to have me sit down and just be quiet. I'm happy to do it the way you want to do it. Now, would you like for me to go sit down? And he looked at me and he, and he chuckled. And I thought, he thinks I'm crazy. And he, he was chuckling. He said, why? And he had a big southern accent. So if you're from the northeast, sorry about this. But why, sonny boy? He said, I'm Pentecostal. <laughs> and he said, here, take the microphone. And I'll be, and he said, he said, I'll be praying for you. And that was the moment that my life died. All of my personal dreams and ambitions of being a secret agent for Christ ended. And I said, okay, everybody, my name's Ron Lewis. Hello, welcome to the revival that's on Trailways Bus Line. I want you to open your Bibles to Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God. Now, let's just start right there and talk about God. That's about all I knew from the Bible right there. Maybe one or two verses. And 10 minutes into it, God began to move, and people I gave an altar call on the bus. And that man was over there praying. I could hear him praying and mumbling prayers right there while I was speaking the whole time. And then I thought, well, I've seen a Methodist pastor before I was, I was touched by the Methodist. And I, and I said, well, he would always go to the vestibule or right out on the porch after the service. So I stood at the bus and every single person who got off that bus thanked me. Now, you know, when you do that, when it's in the spirit and it's of God, God owns the everything. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns every bus line. He owns every airline. He owns every CEO, every, everything. God is in charge of everything. And that became a turning point for me. And I guess most deeply I recognize that God has a plan and a purpose for me. And part of that is to open my mouth for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the other part of it is he's called us to go. Two of the three words for God are G-O. Go. God is a God of movement. God is a God of, uh, uh, and sometimes it doesn't have to be to the uttermost parts of the world. It could be that, uh, but sometimes God just wants us to go to our neighbor or go, go to our person in the office uh, right down the hall from us just to be kind, maybe to buy them a book. That lady who bought, brought me that Bible, I will forever and always remember her. She had a beehive hairdo, remember the beehives? And it was, she was the Saturday Night Live church lady. I mean, she was, she was like that for me, and I would laugh at her and make fun of her, but now the big joke is on me, because I esteem that woman, I love that woman, I thank God for her and her beehive, but the main thing that I thank God for is that she had the heart and the courage to knock on the door of a 15-year-old boy and give him a Bible. It was a green Bible called a living Bible. And the words were life-giving. Man, God's word is so life-giving. But the third and final point is like, if you really want to float, let the mission of God inform you. This is what we do, children of God, is that we let God's word and God's truth and God's mission inform us instead of us informing God how we want to do what we want to do. And this is where we are. I was, this is a very, it's a little bit of a wee bit of a technical thought here, but, but uh, Christology comes first and Christology shapes missiology and that's second and missiology shapes ecclesiology. 
And why is that important? It's important because, because we tend to leave out missiology. That is what shapes the church. And when I travel the world and I see the fruit of what's happening around the world, churches can be radically different. What we have in this space is beautiful. I love this place. I love what you're doing. I love who you are. I love everything about you. New hope. Thank God for you and what you do and how God's mission through Dr. Benji has shaped this community that is now reaching the world. This is an exciting thing to be a part of. You're on a train that's going somewhere. This is a silver bullet to the nations. And, and what you've done in Kenya and what you've done regionally, what you've done around the world, what you're doing now on the islands, oh, this is amazing. How many of you are happy to be on this missional church that is affecting the world? It's touching the world. Just real quickly, you'll see a little bit of some images here of what's happened in, in um, because doors have opened in Pakistan, we've, we have a great leader who we partner with, and I love what, what you're doing here. You're working with people who, have, who are on the ground. This is so great to me, and we have these, these things have been happening like crazy in Pakistan where there's now thousands of underground churches and they meet in villages and there are animals that walk up when they're meeting. They have animals all around them. I mean, that's kind of a cool thing, you know, have a cow in your meeting, you know, okay, let's get this cow born again over here, you know, and here's a goat. And it's, it's amazing what happens is you, you think about this and people are lining up in canals to be baptized in the hundreds and even in the thousands people getting coming to Christ in an Islamic nation. This is like history is happening before our eyes. And so much of the world is just waiting on us, waiting on us. Sometimes it's to give strategy. Sometimes it's to give dollars. Sometimes it's to give encouragement. Sometimes it's to give hugs. Sometimes it's to give Bibles. And we're there to fill in the gap right here. We give away water because water is a need in one of the most arid nations in the world. Water's a big need, a huge need for it. And they, the kids, they, when they get these, we give them a water pump in their village. They hold up the dirty water and the clean water, and we can just see with their own eyes their appreciation and the joy that they have. They don't have to drink out of diseased water anymore. They don't, yeah, I know. He's happy, but he's happy about the clean water, not the dirty water, all right? Missions informs us to go. Even when we don't have money, we can go. Even when we don't have knowledge, we can go. You see, the gift is you. You're a carrier of the gospel. And sometimes you think, well, I'm too young. I remember when I was young, and I was like, the devil would always tell me, you're too young. You don't know anything. Now it's like, you're too old. You've forgotten everything. I don't care which way you go. There's a devil who does not want you to do what God's called you to do. And the mission informs us to go regardless of our age, go regardless of our knowledge, go regardless of the lack of money, go regardless of the lack of resources. You yourself are a gift to the world. Missions shapes us, but the results are up to God. The results are always up to God. And missions is constantly calling us. Dr. John Getty, a missionary to one of the islands, Anatium, when he landed in 1848, there were no Christians. This is what's on his gravestone. When he landed in 1848, there were no Christians here. And when he left in 1872, there were no heathen. 
Francis Asbury was said of him that when he arrived in America, there were only 1,160 Methodists, but when he died, there were 214,235 Methodists. And because the Methodists were very methodological, which is where they get their name from, because of that, they knew the exact numbers. And I'm sure Dr. Benji Kelly knows the exact numbers too, because he is thorough, he is excellent, and he sees the big, but he also sees and counts the small, which is something that God sees as well. So my question, are you ready to float and overcome the sinking? Are you ready for that? And you don't, my story is my story, but your story will be a beautiful story based upon who you are, the gifts that God has given you, what you are called to do. And in speaking to those who are watching online, I want you to hear that God sees you right where you are in your pajamas right now or whatever you're wearing. He loves you and there's something so great in your life that God is calling forth greatness in you and purpose in you that you would be a floater and not a sinker. So what door has God opened for you? What's he opened for you? Whatever he's opened for you is unique for you. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 16, he said, a wide open door has come for me. Pray for me, he says. The door is open wide. And you know what? Right now in this season that we're in, this environment that we're in, it's time. It's time to walk through it. It's time to go. Father, we thank you right now. We thank you that you're helping us and you're with us. You're with this church, Lord. You're with the people here, individually, every family. God, every family, every individual, every college student, every young person, I want to thank you right now that, God, that purpose is crying out in their hearts. Show me, God. I don't want to waste one more day Lord, I pray right now that gifts of the Holy Spirit will be distributed. And Lord, one of those gifts are for those who are called to say yes, to answer the call of God, to live a life of mission, but also go to the world. And I want to thank you, God. There's no celebration like meeting with someone who is hungry and famished for the good news. And I pray, Lord, let those gifts be distributed today. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. Wow. Thank you, Pastor Ron. Bishop, wow. I just feel led right now, ever so quickly, to give a twofold challenge to you. Start with the immediate, then I'll back into a longer challenge. The immediate is, whatever you do, make a commitment to be in the house of the Lord for this next message series, one at a time. It's not a message series on missions, but it's going to really recalibrate the heart of this church. I am convinced of it as we think about where we go in the future. But here's the second one. Go on a missions trip sometime in the course of the next five years. It's not asking too much. 
Will you pray about that? As we start doing, hopefully, several missions trips a year, at least one, but hopefully several, maybe even more, would you, every single one of you, here in person and online, will you make a commitment to pray that God would make a way for you to go on a missions trip? Because if you will pray that, and if you will lean your ear towards the work of the Holy Spirit, I believe you'll be going on a missions trip with me, with this church, in the days ahead. To God be the glory, now and forever. Amen. Amen.